Do us a quick favor, guys. Hit the follow subscribe button. Share this with someone who would benefit from it. And help us grow, as the more we grow, the better the episodes will get. Thanks, guys, for helping us. And let's get into the episode. that blaming the motivation and shifting that onto someone else is help for lazy people. Lazy people shift the blame. They don't take accountability. They blame it on something else or someone else. So when they say, I'm not feeling motivated, they don't take the responsibility. That's just a lovely excuse to do absolutely nothing. But the people who take responsibility, those are the people who incentivize it. Those are the people who will be at the top because they realize that the effort of which they give is equal to or greater than the reward of which they get for doing that task. Now that reward could be the title, it could be the pursuit, whatever it is, that incentive stays higher than the task. Simple. Incentivize, reframe, and you'll be on that path. And he's here. He is here. Cristiano has entered the building. Welcome to this episode of the Sculptor Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about why motivation isn't real. And this probably will be not a controversial topic, but it will probably be something that people may not understand, people might question i don't think it's controversial because it's it, it it does go against the norm although i think with the reasoning of which i've got hit i think it's quite clear that what i'm saying has some truth to it so should be entertaining should be a different kind of insight it should be a challenge it should be very different and it's a belief that I've had for quite a long time now, and maybe it's a more tolerable belief nowadays. I don't know. We'll see. I'll see how people react to this or think to this, but to get straight into it, I guess what I can get into first. So I've got, I've got my notes here. I've done, I can't say I've done research necessarily because most of this is off personal experience also just i believe common sense there are a few things a few anecdotes which i'll be saying which it's it just makes a lot a lot of sense so i've kind of articulated my thoughts into a few notes here and i'll be able to address them as well and that should be able to give a bit of perspective and reasoning to where i've come from in this stance but with the first kind of understanding for you guys about motivation so when you think of motivation, you think of it's it's like an external force sometimes that's driving you towards doing X. And whatever X is, of course, it's up to you. But typically, you act out of motivation or you do something out of motivation. Now, what I can say to that is that motivation, for me, is useless. I never motivate There'll be times where I need a little bit of quote-unquote motivation to get me to the next level or to get back in line with where I've been going and where I want to go. Although, as you will understand later on in the episode, that's all short-term. And you can use that, that's fine. 
Although it's not going to get you far. And sometimes for me, I need that. Sometimes for you, you might need that. But you have to use it strategically because when you deplete one source, you go on to the next and you really never should fall off. You really never should fall off if you have enough tools. And I think that typically motivation is an excuse for laziness. I think that people use motivation and they put it onto motivation instead of taking accountability. I think that people say that I'm not motivated, so I won't do this. And that kind of shifts the blame onto something else, not someone else specifically, but it's shifting the blame onto something else where it's not my fault because I don't want to do it. It's, it's not my fault because I don't feel the conviction or whatever it is. It's not taking responsibility for it. And as motivation is, I'd probably say it's at like an all-time low, honestly. I think it's because we have so much abundance that there is no real reason to do stuff. And this should help you re reframe your client perspective on motivation. And what I've got here is a personal kind of note where if I was ever training out of just raw motivation, I wouldn't be here right now speaking to you guys. I wouldn't be in Germany and be back in Australia. I'd be playing on my computer, probably be eating junk food. I probably would not be anything like the person you see right in front of, right in front of you right now. And that is not because I'm highly motivated. That's not because, you know, I have the highest level of discipline in the world. Although I do have a very high level of discipline. Maybe I do have one of the highest levels of discipline in the world, but that can only take me so far. And what I'm trying to get with this is that to be at the top, you don't get there through motivation. Motivation is purely, I would say, a myth. And maybe at its core, the actual definition of motivation makes sense. Although I think that the definition of which people actually think of motivation to be nowadays, I think that as I, I've written here, so I think that I'm going to have to find it out quickly. I think that, yeah. So people think that motivation is like an external body that kind of picks you up and does the stuff for you. It's like, if I was to say, oh, I really don't want to train today, but you know what? I'm feeling really motivated. Or maybe I'm not feeling really motivated and I'm feeling like I need someone else to do it for me. It's like envisioning like a ghost or something magical, like a magical body that drags you up and does it for you. And, you know, you have a smile on and it all happens because of this motivation. Now, that may work once. There might be a magical body that lifts you up and takes you to training and you have a smile on your face and you really enjoy it. But that's not going to happen every single day. And typically that short burst of motivation, I think that that's... There is probably some truth in that. And I'll go on to how I think that that actually can be to our benefit. Because I do think that probably exists where you do have short bursts of quote-unquote motivation that get you to, you know, the next level to keep you accountable, things like that. And that works. Although it won't consistently work. And that's what we'll talk about. So getting over a few things. And I think that the first kind of area that we can go into is the illusion of motivation. And I think that the illusion of motivation is limiting because it is short-term. Motivation, I believe, the definition of it should actually be short-term because there is no way, being a human, I mean, even just thinking of a realistic situation, if I was to roll a die and out of the six numbers that are on that die, the six is motivation. And if we're merely acting on motivation alone, 
and I'm going to roll a die a hundred times. And every time I get a six, which is when I feel motivated, I'm going to do X task. That could be training. It could be work, whatever it is. Whenever I roll a six, I'm going to do that task. Now out of a hundred times, if we're merely acting out of motivation and it is, it, I think that it is short term. It's also a, a bit of an illusion. It's a bit of a myth. If we were to do that out of chance, because I think that it is honestly out of chance, how can you actually think that motivation comes from a place from within if it's an external body, external body that's taking you and doing it for you? I think out of the six, sorry, out of the hundred times that we're rolling that die, if we get that six, we're not we're not going to be getting a min cup. We're maybe going to get it, let's say, less than 20 times out of that 100. Therefore, out of the 100 days of which you're training, or the 100 sessions of which you do over 50 days or whatever it is, you're only going to be doing it 20 times. I think that's to me. Motivation's not real. It's fake. So what I'll go on to is the, motiv the, the real definition of motivation is short-term bursts of reasoning. That's what I think motivation is. So you can use that. Short-term bursts of reasoning, I don't have a problem with it. But you shouldn't be depleting that reasoning very often. And you shouldn't actually have a reason to. The reason may be over a long period of time that you're feeling a little bit lost in the path. Maybe you're feeling like, okay, I don't want to do this because everyone else is getting this and you know what, I'm, I'm playing the guilty game a little bit where you're like, um, the word is where you're not catastrophizing, kind of pronounce that word again, but when you're playing the guilt game and it's everything is, oh, it's all happening to me, it's, it's not a good place to be at and, and the motivation is where people might use it there, although that's just not going to help and I think that Sometimes the short-term boosts and bursts of motivation can be a reality check. It can be a kick up the arse. It could be it could be a short burst where it drives it to an action. And what I think about that, depleting it is not going to get you anywhere. Because let's say out of the five days I am unmotivated, quote unquote unmotivated, and I use those short bursts of motivation to get me out to train, then I'm it can, it can work, although by the time I've depleted those sources of motivation, the next week I probably won't have that same conviction to go do it. And if we're merely acting on that, then the next week I'm not going to be doing anything. So there's going to be a few things that I can, I can calculate with here to actually give you that long-term perceived motivation because motivation isn't long-term. You could perceive it as long-term, although that's not, I believe, the right definition of moment, uh, motivation. Momentum has something to do with it. So the actual definition of motivation is a reason or reasons for acting or behaving in a particular way. Escape can be a strong motivation for travel. So a reason or reasons. What is a reason? Could a reason be, okay, I want to train so I can become better that's a reason a reason for acting okay so that's a reason for acting that's insinuating that the act has already happened so if we're thinking the action has happened and what is the reasoning for that okay if I've trained maybe the reasoning and the motivation for it was because I wanted to get better 
Therefore, the motivation is, I believe, the wrong word. And as I've said, so motivation in this definition isn't even referring to the conviction of a third, a third party or a third body externally taking someone. That's merely talking about the action and the behavior behind the action. So when we talk about motivation, I'm feeling motivated, or if you're feeling like the behavior was motivated by something. Therefore, even the, the definition of motivation is short-term because it's the reasoning behind acting in a particular way. So if I am acting a particular way every single day, it's not going to work. It has to be a continuous reason. So the role of incentives. This is the big word today, incentives. Now, I think, actually, when I even searched up the definition of motivation, one of the synonyms was incentive. What an incentive is, it is a reason to do something. So if we're looking at an incentive or a reason for acting or behaving, that could be a better kind of term for motivation. Incentives are what drive actions. Now, what I think people should be doing is they should be incentivizing the action. Now, the incentive could be a reward. It could be a goal. Whatever it is, that incentive has to be so great. It has to be so big that there is enough reason for you to start acting on that incentive. Now, what I would do is I can give you a few extreme incentives, although we'll go into the incentive kind of role a little bit more first. So when an incentive is perceived to be too low, why should you or why would you feel like you need to act on it? So if the incentive was to wash the dishes, I think that realistically, the only incentive to do that is so I have nice dishes for the next time. That could be enough for me to go wash it, but maybe it's only enough for me to wash it when I actually need it. Therefore, the incentive for me to do it, or the, the quote-unquote motivation, is very low because only when I need to do it will I do it. I won't proactively do it in advance. If I do, maybe it's because I don't want my mum to scream at me. You know, if she sees that there's dishes in there and I'm not cleaning the dishes, the incentive is for me to clean them because I don't want mum to get angry at me. That's the motivation to do it. The motivation behind me acting in that specific way was because I didn't want X to happen to me. Okay? So when the motivation is perceived to be too low, there is no derived action because of it. I do believe that you actually would be a little bit silly to waste your time on something that gives you a low incentive reward. So now if we flip that and the incentive is really high, the reward is massive. You would start acting towards that. If that task becomes a little bit harder and the incentive is still rewarding, there's maybe less conviction and less reasoning for completing that task to get to the incentive. So that could be, okay, to clean my dishes, I may get screamed at mum. That's okay. That's, that's, a, that's my main incentive. But if that task is difficult, that task could be difficult because I don't have much time. That task could be difficult because I have to jump over 12 hurdles. I have to go skydiving and then I have to come back 
into my apartment and I have to go to sleep for 12 hours and then I have to clean the dishes, then that task becomes a lot harder to do because I have to do so many things to get to that goal. And that goal is just so that mom doesn't scream at me. Well, if, if I have to do all of this work just for my mom not to scream at me, then I might accept my mom to scream at me because I have to do all of this work to get there. So the incentive is too low. So if all of the tasks, the difficulty of the task outweighs the incentive, then the action for the, the, der the derivative for action is much lower. And as I said before, I think that you're actually a little bit silly to do all of that extra work to get such a low reward for the incentive. So what you need is you need that incentive to be so big that you have no other option but to act. So your perception needs to be reframed. You need to trick yourself. You need to psychologically operate your brain to be fixed in this attitude that this incentive, this task, this goal of what you were doing, the reward for it is so big that if you don't do the steps to get closer to it, you will suffer because of it. You have no other option but to take action. Now, if we're going to put this into a kind of realistic but very unrealistic situation, so I guess a human experience with an unrealistic situation. If your mother was burning in a house, if you're in your house and you're sleeping at night and you see the fire, it's coming to your room and you run outside and you realize, oh no, my mom's in there and she doesn't know that there's a fire. But you get outside and you're like, but I hate running. I just hate running. I, I'm, I'm, I'm big, I'm fat, I'm lazy. I'm out of the house because I didn't want to die. I got out of there pretty quickly, but I've forgotten about my mom. I've forgotten about my dad. I've forgotten about my little sister. But I'm outside. I'm always in the house, go up in flames. They're not out here. But you know what? I hate, I hate, I hate running. So I'm not going to do it. And even if I do do it, you know, maybe I won't make it out alive because I'll end up walking, you know? But that's, no, that's not, that's not what's going to happen. You're going to completely ignore every single thought like that in the back of your head. You're going to get rid of every single reasoning in your mind, in your closest brain. And you're going to completely scrap it. And you're going to go running into that house to save every single member of your family. Because the incentive is so high for you to do it. That it drives action without even the tiniest bit of backlash. Or the tiniest bit of neglect. You're doing that. You're just doing it, right? And... It's as simple as that. Your motivation has never been quiet to start running. You've never been, you know, faster in your life. If you were to run a hundred meter race with that same motivation, you'd be, you say, well, right? That motivation is getting you into that house and you're saving your family. But you never liked exercising. You don't even realize that you didn't like exercising. You do it. You do it. That incentive is so high for you to start running in that house like you've never ran before. You probably haven't ran before if you don't want to run into a house for your family the incentive is so high that you have no reason not to okay now that is when the incentive is so high it derives action if you're able to reframe your quote-unquote motivation or your goal to have that incentive so high that there is no reason for you not to do that task to get closer to your goal then 
you're not doing it right, you have to have the incentive certified that it's the rise action. That's it. It's simple. Without the incentive, there is no action. We are simple creatures, humans. You can even compare this animal. My dog won't sit if there is no treat. She might think that I've got a treat in my head and I'll say to her, sit. She will sit only because she thinks that she is going to be rewarded. So she is sitting because the incentive for sitting outweighs the effort to do it. Just like the, the analogy of me skydiving, jumping over 10 hurdles, sleeping 12 hours, then to do the dishwashers. That task there is more difficult than me bearing with the screams of my mum. Therefore, when the task difficulty outweighs the reward or the neglect or the punishment for not doing that task, there's a misalignment with the, the kind of reward. Therefore, if you're able to perceive and to reframe the incentive and reward so high for doing difficult tasks, then that's the motivation. Okay? That's where the motivation comes from. You'll start doing things that you never thought you could do. You'll start acting in ways that you never thought you could. That's where it comes in. So when you feel unmotivated, you need to have a plethora of tools so that you actually, because let me, let me clear it up, right? That incentive will not last for 365 days of the year. That's unfortunate but it's true so when that depletion comes it won't be long-term depletion i can guarantee you that because if you've been doing something for let's say even a week you will have some momentum behind you you will have some effective beam on that flywheel now you need to have the toolbox this is where the short-term motivation comes in the reasoning behind doing something if you don't want to go out to train because you don't find that perception of the incentive high enough, or maybe you find the task too difficult to reap the rewards of that incentive, what you can do is use your toolbox. Now, if that incentive is lasting a long time where it's not actually rewarding enough, then you need to rewire your incentive. You need to rewire your brain so that you can mentally understand that that is what you need to do to achieve this. So, what you need to do is you need to start first, this, this could be your first tool, is you start reframing to be thinking about futuristically orientated objectives. So, if I train today, I won't enjoy it now, although I reap the rewards tomorrow. I won't enjoy it now, although I reap the rewards in 10 years because I did it. Start futuristically reframing things and this could be that short-term motivation that can get you to train. Now, when you do this, it may work for two days. It may work for three. Although it probably won't work more than four to five. And anything after that, if you've done enough, let's say you've, you've ticked off the futuristically orientated med tool framing. And you go on to the next one to get you through. The next, let's, I've got around five here of different tools. Let's say you go through all five. And let's say they all last last a maximum of two days okay so you've done it for 14 days let's say you've had one rest there so it's 12 days you've done it for 12 days and you've depleted all of your motivation tools 
on that 13th day, you will have enough momentum to take you through to the next two weeks, four weeks, however many weeks it is. You, because you used those tasks and those tools before, you will have enough momentum that you feel enough conviction to do those things. Okay? So when you deplete, and also that's a very extreme case, there probably shouldn't be two weeks of where you feel no conviction or no incentive to do something. So that's a very rare case. It may be over a year. Out of the 52 weeks that you have, and there may be, let's say, four weeks. At each week, you have to use one of your tools. By the end of that year, you're on that flywheel anyway. So you have enough momentum behind you to keep doing it. So when you do feel unmotivated and you don't act on that, then it's because you don't have the tools. So when I tell you that I haven't felt motivated to do training in so long, and you ask why and why I'm still training, that's because my incentive is so high that the motivation factor doesn't even have anything to do with it. Now, let's say that incentive is still there, but I really don't feel motivated to do something. And that could be because there's distractions. I think that unmotivation can be one, because of the lack of an incentive, but two, the, the, um, when you have too much of something, it's called a opposite of a deficit is a surplus when you have a surplus of distractions a surplus of dopamine that is dragging your attention away from the things that are important for you to do right now so when you have a surplus of distractions that are higher dopamine rewarding than the action and task of which you want to do then you will feel not as much conviction to do it because there are other rewarding things that are instantly rewarding than you doing that task right now, which is, again, we're also futuristically orientating your mental process can help. So if you're thinking that, okay, I suffer now, rewards are later. Not easy to do, although that comes from futuristically orientating your goals and your perception of even the world. So when you have this unmotivation, where you don't feel like doing anything, when you really, really don't, and this could be, as I said, because of the lack of incentive or it could be because of the surplus of distraction and dopamine. What you can do is I've got a few little um, tools here that will help. So the plethora of, I call them PSYOP tools. So where you're psychologically operating your brain to almost be in a level of delusion to push you to a certain thing. It's gonna push you to a certain action. So, we can think about the currency exchange thing that I made the other day. So, this should probably be the last episode. When we think about, okay, where should I invest my time? My resources and the money which I have in my days is limited. So, we can start thinking about, okay, I shouldn't invest my time into things that are going to be giving me long-term depletion. I should be investing my time into things that are going to give me long-term accelerators. So if we think about it that way, that can get me to training man. Because if I realize that if I'm investing my time into the wrong areas, it's a steep downward spiral. Therefore, if I start investing my time and my limited resources towards the goals of which I want to achieve, then I could perceive that incentive and that moment in time as being an easier task or a worthy task for me to get that incentive or reward in the future. The next thing that we can talk about after the currency one is external accountability. 
external accountability could be your friend saying, why aren't you training? It could be realizing that if you don't train someone else's training harder than you're right now. It could be that you really need to improve in some way and your competition are getting or have that thing better than you. Therefore, that incentive in that time, that short-term burst of motivation will get you through because you're thinking, well, if I'm not doing this, they're going to be doing it. They're going to be getting better than me. So that incentive in that short moment of time really has to be that burst of motivation. It has to be that real amount of conviction that gets you to start doing this. The next thing that we can do is the external perception to where you think that, now this is also another episode I'm going to make, is that everything you're doing right now is being recorded and it's being broadcasted to a live group of people who are watching you and they're criticizing you. They know what your goals are, but they're watching you right now and they're thinking, you should probably be doing this. You should probably go to the gym. You should probably train right now. That should derive enough conviction and an incentive to start doing it. How do you do it? Now, there are also other things of which you may deem worthy as enough conviction to do it. It could be that someone told you you can't do it. Therefore, you take action and you go prove them wrong. It could be that you want to prove yourself right. You know, you think, oh, I know that I really don't want to do this, but you know what? I have enough belief in myself that I can. I'm going to prove myself right and I'm going to go do it. That could be enough conviction for you. It could be someone literally saying, like your parents are saying, you're too lazy. You don't want to hear that. That really digs at you deep. Maybe you think that's enough conviction for me to start training that. But that, 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 that doesn't last. Those short bursts of motivation will not last. If you act merely on the perception of your parents thinking they're lazy, for a long amount of time, for, an, for however amount of time that is, and maybe a week and maybe two, it won't get you there. Now, let's say if you are acting for two weeks on that, maybe you're on the flywheel by now. That could work for you, and then you get on the flywheel. So those short bursts of motivation may help you get on the flywheel effect. Now, I won't go into depth of what the flywheel effect is. That's for another exit. Although, once you get on that flywheel effect, you're able to start utilizing that. And then when you have those tools, you don't get off it. And when you steer away, you have these tools to get back on it directly. And that's, that's assuming that you don't have, or assuming that you don't have the incentive there. Let's say you do have the incentive there still, and you steer off a little bit. The incentive drags you back in. When your family's burning in that house fire, and you're really not feeling like it, you're going to do it. The incentive is there. Okay, the incentive is dragging you back into action. Okay? So, let's say that, I guess we can go into another example of a high incentive task. And this is probably going to be the last kind of area which I go on. Now, let's say someone's presented with an opportunity to win a million dollar prize by completing a challenging task or competition. Now, the allure of substantial financial gain becomes a powerful motivator, right? That motivation is actually the incentive that the financial reward of you doing the task so the, the, the reward outweighs the difficulty of the task. So that's because the perceived incentive, that million dollars is only beneficial to you because you perceive it to be beneficial for you. That million dollars could be unbeneficial to a millionaire or someone who is very, very wealthy. If Elon Musk was to win a million dollars, he would realize that the difficulty of his time trying to achieve that is actually not worth it. Therefore, the incentive is dramatically decreased. So you have to perceive the incentive to be high enough for you to start taking action. So let's say that motivation 
that is the financial gain. So then you are pushing your time into investing the effort and resource into achieving that goal. So the incentive of that financial reward outweighs any doubts, obstacle, or temporary lack of motivation because the incentive is so high. Therefore, that person is driving consistent and determined action to increase their chances of winning that prize or achieving that, that million dollars. So that high incentive of a life-changing financial reward is the catalyst for propelling an individual towards where they want to go. If the incentive is so hard at, and you're working in actually that matrix of which I talked about in another episode, then nothing can stop you from getting to where you want. If the incentive is so high and everything you're doing, everything surrounding you is focusing on where you want to go, then the incentive is so high and whatever comes along your path is not deemed as even an issue. It's, it's merely a challenge for you to get over because you have to realize that those challenges are actually there to help you. So for you to reframe that incentive to be beneficial enough for you to start deriving action, a simple way is to kind of reverse engineer it. So when people say, find your why, I think that's helpful to a degree, although I don't completely agree with it because it's not that easy. Just finding your why makes it very, very simple in theory. Because if I was to just find my why, thinking about it, Okay, well, I want to be a millionaire right now. Why? Okay, There's, there could be a lot of reasons, but let's say it's for a, a good reason. Let's say it's, you know, I want to donate all of my money to a charity. All of the money which I earn from this million, I want to donate to a charity. Now, I want to get rid of world hunger. That's, that's my why. Now, that's a great reason why. But what's the incentive there? I don't have an incentive to do it. I have a why because I want to end world hunger. Although, why, why, do I want to, why do I want to end world hunger? The incentive for me to end world hunger, why? Why is there an incentive? So I don't think it is just as simple as find your why. Okay? You have to dig deeper. So if you want to reframe it to be high enough, you have to align it with your mental fortitude. Okay? If you want to do something, you have to frame the reward in all areas of life. Now, I think that when you have that goal of ending world hunger, let's, that's just the example which I'm going to use. You have to realize that the pursuit of ending world hunger is more beneficial to you. The incentive is for you. Okay? You have to realize that that incentive outweighs the difficulty of the task. Now, that task is not going to be easy. Again, this is a big over-exaggeration of a task especially for one individual alone to achieve. So you have to realize that the process of achieving that task is where the incentive lies for you because the incentive and the why is ending world hunger. The why could be you're ending world hunger because it's bad, right? Sure, that's good. But that's not the incentive. The incentive for you is realizing the task and the difficulty of within that objective and within that why gives you benefit. So if we think about it, you'll learn the discipline in order to achieve X through this task. There will be challenges in this path that will come, but you have to perceive those challenges as merely as a growth state. They're testing your ability 
They're a test whether you're doing it the right way right now to see if you're actually making that money the right way. If there's a better way or if there's a more efficient way of doing it, that's what a task or a challenge could be. It could be a challenge to see if you're truly about it. It could be challenging how much do you really find that incentive to be rewarding enough. Now, me personally, I would see that that challenge, that challenge of me being challenged about do I really want it bad enough? Is it an incentive worth chasing for me? I think that that's an incentive worth chasing for me enough just as it is. A challenge is worth chasing it for me, full stop. Now, there is also the incentive of the path of getting to it that also helps me get over that obstacle. Although when I find that obstacle in my way, whether I'm being challenged, whether I'm being criticized for it, I think that that's enough incentive for you to keep doing it. And that's me, although I believe now, the challenges are only a confirmation if you can actually get beyond them, which is purely only in here. If you can get beyond them, which you can, then that's actually just a confirmative statue to what you're doing. So you have to accept that that can happen along the path. And you have to understand that when you overcome X, whatever task it is, you will be better for it because it's a confirmation that you're doing the thing of which you need to do. So... When your incentive covers all areas of life, you need to realize that these valuable lessons are there and those are the incentives of which you derive from. Those small incentives of achieving this task, achieving the small process goals, these things are getting you closer. The incentive is that you need to get over this thing so that you can achieve this. And when you realize that you're better off for doing those hard things the incentive becomes like it's like a the pulling it you're just pulling the next thing you're getting closer and closer like a tug of war if you're thinking i'm pulling i'm pulling i'm pulling okay there's a bit of a challenge maybe they pulled their tug of war a little bit more they rope a little bit more you're pulling you're pulling you're pulling but you're so close and and maybe they're one little pull you pull two more times and you're a little bit closer they're falling over they're falling over you're pulling you're pulling you're pulling the incentive is getting closer and closer every time you get over that obstacle. So every time they pull and you pull two more times back, it's a confirmation that you're doing the right thing. It's confirmation that you're getting closer. So that incentive is merely framed within the individual's head. When the incentive and the task difficulty outweighs the reward, then there isn't going to be an action. When you start thinking, well, I want to do this, but I'm not even being rewarded for it, then you really don't have any reason or conviction to do it. That's how you, you need to reframe those things. So that's how you do it. Okay, so you need to reframe that you're doing this path. You will have obstacles along the way, but those obstacles are merely a confirmation of which you're doing the right thing when you overcome them. And overcoming those obstacles will be difficult, but they're there to confirm that you're doing it the right way or you need to reevaluate or you're doing the right thought. So when you have that lack of motivation, you have your toolbox. Let's say the times you give up on that tug of war, and they're pulling a little bit more than you. Maybe it's a, you've got a challenge in your way at the moment and, and you're really just kind of giving up a little bit. Then you realize that, okay, well, if I don't do this, let's think of, let's think of a way to reframe it to where we're using the tool. Okay, so if we're thinking about, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I, I kind of feel like giving up. They're pulling me with the whole team kind of falling over in the tug of war. But you know what? I'm going to do this because I know that if I overcome this, I'll be better for it. 
sure. I start feeling a little bit more. Maybe the same thing happens. I'm feeling a little bit more, you know, less convicted to do it. Now I think about, well, everyone who's watching me right now on TV who's being broadcasted live globally. Now, again, this is actually a perception. It's, it's, it's a technique. I'm not saying legit, uh, legitimately it's being broadcasted to the world. I'm saying that you need to frame it so that it is being broadcasted to the world. Everyone watching now you can frame that as everyone wanting you to fail, therefore you have more incentive to pull. It could be that you have to find out what works for you, right? So it could be that maybe everyone's cheering for you, so you pull. Whatever it is, this is what you have to use as your toolbox to get you through those moments of low motivation where the task difficulty or the reward or the perception of not achieving that task outweighs the effort of which you give. So that's where the incentive is so low or the repercussions of not getting that incentive or that reward outweigh the chance uh, outweigh the, the difficulty of the task so if the difficulty of the task is so high and the reward is so low or maybe it's just a little bit of a differentiate uh, differentiation so if the, the task is just a little bit more difficult than the reward then you may perceive that as you know it's not worth your time and effort therefore they need to be adjusted so that the effort of which you give and the reward of what you get is higher so that's merely up to you that is merely how do you perceive the reward back to the analogy of the millionaire if they're going to win a million dollars and this is the reward and this is them and they want to win that million dollars the millionaire the difficulty of the the task for them to complete it would be let's say it's up here for everyone let's say yeah okay so the difficulty of the task is here and the reward for a very very poor person would be all the way up here but the reward and the incentive for a millionaire would probably be towards here. Therefore, the millionaire would realize that, okay, I've got to do all of this for a reward of that. I'm not going to do it. That's not worth my time. But if we've got the person who's got zero dollars in their bank account and they're seeing that, that climb, that task, and they're seeing that million dollars, they're going to do it. The incentive is there. Now, as I've mentioned, there will be times of maybe they don't feel that conviction. Remember, they feel too distant from that goal. There's no, there's no propelling them towards that goal. They have to use their toolbox. Their toolbox can get them to that next step. Once they've got those next few steps, the momentum takes a little bit closer. And when they start having a bit more uh, resistance, they use the toolbox again. And when they start really like, realizing they're making progress, they're on the flywheel now. They start realizing that, okay, the stuff of which I'm doing, I'm getting closer and closer every day. Okay. That's good. Now, the effort of which I'll give becomes less and less, although I still want it as much. The incentive is still there. I really want it. The difficulties and the challenges of which I face pull me down because it's very difficult to get. Although when I have my short bursts of motivation that can help me kind of get beyond that task difficulty, I can get closer. Now when I'm on that flight wheel, and those task difficulties are pulling me down, I realize that, you know what, it's easier for me to actually keep doing the things that I have been doing than quit now. So when you start doing that for a long enough time period, that momentum, that flywheel, it takes you so close, it gets you even closer that you don't even consider stopping. When you start feeling guilty for not completing a task, that's good. When you start feeling guilty for not doing something, stay there. You're on the flywheel effect. Uh, that's your motivation you start feeling guilty for not doing something brilliant 
your discipline, that guilt drives action. Your discipline is now your momentum. It becomes easy. It just becomes a lot easier when you do all of these things and it's just non-negotiable. So that's, that's kind of the last area which I wanted to go through and kind of summarize it. I think the analogy where, you know, you've got the millionaire who has the reward of the finance, but then they realize that the difficulty of the task is not worth the reward. So for them, the reward goes dramatically below. That I believe is the baseline module for incentive and motivation. Therefore, you have to rewire your brain. It has to re-incentivize the goal. You have to reframe things so that incentive always outweighs the top the task difficulty and everything within that you have to realize that the process and the incentives within the process get you closer now that's how you will find the motivation every single day that's how i wake up waiting to conquer the world in world football that's how i wake up thinking i'll become the best but i know that if i can become the best and when i become the best all of the work that i did and for me, the work is a non-negotiable. It's, it's easy work for me to do now because I've done it every day for so long. This work is a non-negotiable and that's helping me get there. Therefore, that reward and that incentive, even if I don't get that, the pursuit of the stuff that I learned, that's enough incentive for me to keep doing what I'm doing. And that comes with experience. That comes with a lot of time given to that goal. Although the more you do it, the more you will learn. And then the challenges of which you have should reaffirm the goal and should reaffirm the incentive. Because when you start realizing that people will drop out when they have those those difficulties in their path, and you go beyond it, and you excel after them, then that's going to give you even more motivation. But that's even more reasoning that you're doing the right thing. That is just a confirmation of your reasoning. So the incentive and the difficulties which you have in that task should propel you forwards. Everything you do should propel you forwards to getting closer and closer to where you want to go. So with that said, that's that's kind of the end of the, the episode. And it should be a lot to think about. I really hope that I have kind of challenged your perception of motivation. I think that this should be common knowledge, although I understand why it's not, because I do think that blaming the motivation and shifting that onto someone else is helpful lazy people. Lazy people shift the blame. They don't take accountability. They blame it on something else or someone else. So when they say, I'm not feeling motivated, they don't take the responsibility. That's just a lovely excuse to do absolutely nothing. But the people who take responsibility, those are the people who incentivize it. Those are the people who will be at the top because they realize that the effort of which they give is equal to or greater than the reward of which they get for doing that task. Now that reward could be the title, it could be the pursuit, whatever it is, that incentive stays higher than the task difference. Simple. Incentivize, reframe, and you'll be on that path.